Hello, everyone. This is the Better, Bolder, Braver podcast. And uh, you will also be seeing this on uh, video if you're dialing in via YouTube. My name is Frances Halasji. I am one of the co-founders of the Better, Bolder, Braver community. And today on the podcast, in this conversation, I am very happy um, to finally have my friend Matt Matheson here talking. Um, and in the first instance, I think, Matt, we should try to work out why we have connected on such a deep level, soul to soul, uh, briefly, and maybe just tell people where we encountered each other. And then I'm going to be inviting you to go in deep to who you are. And, you know, I'd love you to maybe in telling us your story, um, tap into what it is you think I've got you on here for, because I haven't been in that explicit with you, um, but I'm really curious to know what it is you think I would like to talk to you about. Um, and by all accounts, you are a very popular podcast guest at the moment. And so everyone's wanting to, a bit of Matt, but what is it do you think? That I would like to hear from you. Um, so, yes, um, Matt, I think we met at summer camp, did we not? And sat yep. across the table from each other at dinner. On the Friday. On the Friday, gosh, such Friday. specificity. Yep. That's it, I remember it well, yeah. What was your memory of that in encounter? Um, my memory of that encounter was... very quickly we skipped the ball and just got into some pretty deep conversations um and what, what was the game we were playing it was would you would you rather i think it was wasn't it that's right like would you rather do this or this and um with alan wick with alan wick and with charles charlie, charlie. Davis, yes as well other amazing people that we both hold dear mm -hmm. um and yeah and it just what I remember about that moment and what I felt was just like instantly I was like, oh, this is going to be a good conversation. This is going to be an interesting person to connect to um, because, and this isn't, a, this isn't a plug for better, bolder, braver, but my initial instinct and response to you is like, oh, that's a really bold woman. Um, and I could just tell in like your line of questioning you know, and the way you're straight in, because of course I had some big stuff going on in my life and it was like, right, let's just go straight to the meat and like instantly able to have that kind of conversation. Um, and that's what I remember about it. It was like very quickly straight in at that, that deeper, more authentic level rather than just a kind of fluffy dinner time conversation. So that's what I remember. And instantly I was like, this is really cool. Mm. Um, something feels, feels connected there. I love that. Thank you. That's such a, a really beautiful um, recounting of it. And actually, it just took me very quickly back into, yeah, how I felt. Um, and that little bubble that was you and me and Alan and Charlie, as you say, such dear people to us. Um, and, you know, just almost like a silence, even though there was so much noise going on with hundreds of people around us just that like very intimate, like 
almost like we're sitting around a fire the four of us having that conversation and even it wasn't even for very very long it wasn't like we're sitting there for hours and hours but equally um as you felt I think I looked at you and thought here is oh here's here's one of my other friends for life he's Mm. there okay there's Matt oh there you are Matt yeah and you know those friendships that just oh god thank god for that and you know I don't I say um so often now I think uh I just don't really do small talk very comfortably at all um and the older I get the more okay I am with that and the more I'm able to talk about that and talk to that and you know it's almost like I have to excuse that the directness of my nature sometimes um but what that also means is it's just incredibly lovely that I can just yeah just connect with the people that I want in my life so fast so um yeah that's my memory of it and I think I'm not so we didn't really sort of talk about work too much actually uh there and then um but then we had a lovely encounter not long ago in Brighton where we were both working from platform nine and uh randomly sat opposite each other um and I think I asked you what you were up to and you were coming to the end of your psychotherapy training, which maybe you can touch on a little bit in this conversation. Um, and we had a bit of a like, oh, that's hilarious. I'm the daughter of a psychotherapist. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. So that's <laughs> another one, link. another link. Um, and also you were talking about, I think, putting together a, a proposal for some corporate consultancy work. And I thought, oh, amazing. I must talk to Matt. I'm just about to launch the Better Bolder Braver uh, corporate offering and the more I've gone into uh, looking into what you do in preparation for this conversation the more I've realized how many more points of connection there are between us and so I'm really really happy to be able to um, share this conversation with others because I'm I'm really hopeful that it's going to touch on a lot of what is really important to you and me um, in the work that we offer and as I've said to you uh, I'm fluttering above the co- the idea that you and I might um, one day actually maybe build something, collaborate on something, do something together, offer people something that 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 yes, we can stand together facing outwards onto a crowd and talk to as well as so intimately across a table to each other about. Yeah, so, love that. Yeah. Um. So tell us, Matt, in whatever order you want, who you are, what you bring into the world, please. Yeah, cool. So who am I? So cross my name's Matt. <laughs> my full name's actually Matthew Michael McLean Matheson. All the M's. There's a big story behind that, which is um for another probably another podcast, but it's rooted in adoption. So partly um yeah, name change as, as adopted as a child. Um and what do I do? Where do I what do I bring to the world? So I guess on a purely practical level, I work as a coach in the space of self-expression. And that shows up as supporting people with um, helping them say what they need to say when it matters most, Um, particularly in the realm of public speaking, communication, uh, leadership, um, and then uh, overcoming anxiety and finding confidence in their voice and work with all sorts of folks, individuals right the way through to to corporates, which we've touched on a little bit. Um, And that's kind of in a nutshell what what I do. Um, It's been an interesting journey getting there kind of like realizing what my what my thing is and I was I was 
I'm happy to elaborate on a little bit. I was actually chatting to someone about this yesterday a little bit. There was kind of three three threads from my world, if you like, that kind of converged into kind of bringing me into this space. And one of them was improv. Started studying improv about 17, 18 years ago. Um, yeah, gosh, it's going back a while now. And as I was working my way through all these courses, started to realize that when I scratched into the history of it, that improvisation is a framework we know it as comedy in this kind of modern day but actually if you look at the history of it it's actually a teaching framework for creative self-expression um, and collaboration and confidence so I was like oh that was quite cool so that was thread number one thread number two was I was working for a consultancy Nixon McInnes Charlie actually worked there as well which was very much about encouraging us to bring our own offerings into the work that we do so as I was starting to run more and more workshops, I was starting to weave in some of these improvisation activities to kind of loosen people up, get them to collaborate, et cetera, et cetera. So that was the second thing. It was that company that I worked for. Um, and then the third thing was looking at my own personal patterns and journey. Um, and I'd done quite a lot of work with the key turning point being a 10-day retreat in India, which was called a journey of self-discovery with a veteran leadership coach called david ferrez who's you know 80 odd now and we basically spent a group of 10 of us spent 10 days just kind of answering questions about who we are how we've showed up in our relationships how we've showed up in life um you know what motivates us what puts us off all that kind of stuff really deep coaching circles and you know through that and a bunch of other inverted commas work you know kind of realized that there was there was a, a big subconscious part of me that was always trying to kind of help and motivate. And that was a natural strength of mine, as well as also a weakness when that was bleeding out in areas that it wasn't helpful. So kind of getting that distinction and bringing those three together kind of helped me kind of go, okay, I can kind of consciously channel that in my work, which then gives me an opportunity to not feel like I have to be there that way outside of my work and almost start to kind of separate the two, even though they're both the one manifestation of me. So then over a number of years, more and more of doing this, more kind of set up my own business. Um, and the one thing that kind of seemed to keep coming to me rather than things I was trying to go out and get was support with people finding their voice. So then I just doubled down on, um, that as a brand so the speaking coach is my brand um and then kind of just let that grow from there really so that's a kind of potted history the three threads that came together to make me who i am and what i do at the moment really thank you um so as is usually the case with these kind of lovely emergent conversations there's a number of threads that we can pick up on uh the two that are coming strongly uh to my mind now are whether we go down the sort of road of one part of that story which I find fascinating which is your what I call work work balance and how the various things that you do and hats that you wear do dovetail on a practical level um, because I think people listening to this podcast to date my audience if you like has been uh, in the main coaches that we help on a you know within a group setting and in a community but uh, also on a one-to-one -one basis with um, putting putting themselves out there in the world as coaches with more clarity and confidence and joy and creativity um, and the work that I'm doing in the corporate space very much does uh, mirror that for individuals 
but I think, for, as I say, for people listening to this, that work-work balance of one-to-one -one and group and corporate and how do you do it? And that's really interesting. Yeah. And then the other thread is the, um, I suppose, what people might call the trauma hunter in me, which is, oh, interesting. So what you're saying there is, I've allowed my work to contain something that's work for me that I've had to manage. And in some ways it's kind of manifested in a really positive way. And in other ways I've had to understand might not be how I should be in that moment. And almost your work has allowed you to package um, and contain something that, yeah, is still alive as work for you to do basically. So which one, which one are you most taken with as, as where we go next? Oh, um, I think I think we could probably pick off both in some shape or form because um, I think they'd both be useful to explore. The latter one sounds interesting because the language you used around like containing and 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 this that and the other. So that sounds quite interesting. Um, but I'll happily talk about both. Um, well, I think you're right. They do dovetail because when you yeah. create a work work balance mindfully and you are conscious and clear about your time. And Alan Wick is helping me so much with this. Mm. Um, and you scrutinize where you spend your time. You are having to exercise containment of your time. And, you know, all the things that we think about in the community that we are part of, the Happy Startup School around pricing. And it's all in the, in the service of um, providing for ourselves a, a sort of safe, contained playground with mm. clear structures that allow us to move forward learning uh playing and evolving um but in a sort of uh sustainable way so the two do very much and need to always work in tandem yeah, yeah. go on then okay cool i'm just going to dive in and see what comes out i think that's the best way so i'm going to pick to the word contain that you said so that's the word that stood out for me um around containing this thing that you're you're still doing work on i think was a language that that you landed on there and i think the word that comes up for me the way i see it actually is is less about containing something although i can see that works as well and it's more about getting to a place where something that i was doing subconsciously becomes a conscious decision rather than an unconscious decision mm -hmm. so rather than just um Turning something into a conscious skill, um, something that I've been doing naturally, but not really thinking about. It's like just trying to help fix da 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 as I've kind of grown up, then starting to go, okay, if this is something I just feel like I'm really drawn to do, which as you'll know, like 90% of therapists kind of have this, this thing. Some people call it people pleasing, whatever, you know. Um the exciting thing for me and the kind of lens that I'm seeing it through at the moment at this stage in my life is actually it's about being able to separate the unconscious from the conscious and go okay so if this is what I do and it seems to work and I've been fortunate enough to discover coaching as a skill and improvisation as a skill that really lends itself to expressing this thing that I've got in a very structured way then I get to take skills and things that I've learned as well as this kind of innate need to help other people and kind of bring them together. So rather than it just being like a messy people pleasing thing, it's like, I actually no wait a minute. I'm going to really channel this thing that felt messy and figure out how to make it something quite potent and powerful because it's really quite conscious and considered for me personally. 
Um, that's kind of how how I see it. And it also mirrors the, the journey that I've been on a little bit. So I've kind of discovered improv, discovered the difference between conscious communication and unconscious communication and had my fingers burnt both personally and professionally, all this kind of stuff. So now I'm like, okay, I feel quite equipped to now help other people on that journey. And then outside of those spaces, am I still Matt? Am I still messy Matt that 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 sometimes goes above and beyond when I don't need to or screws things up or or takes it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, do I sometimes take over when I think I'm doing the right thing for everybody when actually I'm yeah, that totally still happens. But as I've got older and maybe just a tiny little bit wiser, I've started to be able to kind of separate them a little bit and be a bit more conscious about stuff. Um so that's I think my view on that kind of containment statement. Um yeah, and then the other one was around almost like different services and different ways of working with different people through that lens. Um, but before we dive into that, is there anything you wanted to say in response? Because I saw you go, oh, I write something down. It's like, okay, where's, where's, where's her thought process going? <laughs> I mean, I've written down in big words, letters, writing, rather than it being a messy people-pleasing thing, dot, 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 which I'd almost <laughs> like to see as front and centre on your website, because I just think that's so brilliant. <laughs> Um, it just it just smacks you in the face with self-awareness and you know it's just brilliant to call out the bull you know I often uh, ask of our coaches in the Better World of Braver community what bullshit are you calling you know sometimes people really struggle I think to uh, articulate um, what really pisses them off and what they're trying to do something about which is at the core of why they should do what they do and what they should therefore be very quickly educating people that they are qualified to do, have empathy around an authority to help people with and a personal story to kind of uh, be heard. And, you know, just the the self-conscious of, self-consciousness in what you say rather than it being a messy people-pleasing thing gives me a sense of safety that you have considered very carefully that you are at risk of people-pleasing, that you're at risk of, you know, being so much in service to yourself in your work that, you know, you have designed in a really conscious, intentional way, an unmessy, clear um, service as a guide and not as the hero um, and repackage stuff as opposed to changing loads of things up, just taking what you what could have on a different road on in a sliding doors moment ended up being a really messy people pleasing person into something really, really beautiful that you've then become proud to share at the same time while speaking to how you are a human being and it, you know, you are, you are who you are. So that's why I really liked that sentence, which I will probably draw to people's attention as the headline of this conversation unless there is another mic drop moment later on which there probably will be so <laughs> Brilliant. um yeah Brilliant. so oh yes let's definitely hear from you matt about your um the way in which you have decided to sort of divvy up your work if you're happy to talk to that because um yeah what do you spend your time on these days yeah it's a good question um and i think i would definitely be lying if i said it's all beautifully laid out and it's the perfect client every time because it's not. And that's, I don't think that's the nature of how it works. So, so how do I work at the moment? So 
what's a good way to come into this so i'll start with the kind of very simple kind of like different types of areas that i work on and then i can talk about what it actually looks like on a weekly monthly basis maybe in case that's useful the different kind of areas that i work on are a kind of different scales so if you imagine if you take like happy startup or alan wick kind of level your product pyramid if you like uh down at the bottom you know which is the kind of easy access stuff then there's the kind of content podcast bits and you know that kind of stuff um articles that i might write for people that kind of stuff and then kind of just coming up a level there is probably my kind of group cohorts um that go through my six point speaker program and that's by far my most well-rounded proven successful product and it's been in its being in some shape or form for about 10 years and i can trace it back to the very first iteration of it um, which is a work- workshop I did for American Express 10 years ago was the very first iteration of that. And that's now a really, really clear, bespoke, but structured, held six-step coaching package to help find your voice, basically. Um, and that forms probably the vast majority of my work, um, maybe 60%, 60 to 70% of people I work with go through that, whether that's a group coaching cohort, so a group of people I take through it, or um, people buy on a one-to-one coaching so I can go deeper with them and go through that at a higher price point Um, or as a workshop. So very often people will bring me in and give me 10 people or 20 people and I'll kind of take them through experientially through the course of a day, through the six points. Um, And that's, that's kind of at that level. A lot of the other work that I also do is around um, transforming meeting cultures for people. So I'll work with a team or a company and work through a series of workshops with them where I will take them through a three pillar workshop that focuses on communication, empathy, basic psychology, understanding different personality types, um, the challenges around speaking up versus those of us who speak up louder and understanding why we come from these frames of reference and then bring them down into, okay, then how do we design meetings within your organization? Now, you know, all this stuff about each other. So you've got this kind of self-awareness and communication empathy. So the structures that bring together um, the support and space that allows everybody to speak up and quietens the louder voices. And then the processes that will kind of bring those two together. And then the third pillar is putting it all into action, looking at engagement. So things don't get boring and this, that and the other. So I do a lot of work around that. Um, One of your questions that you said you might ask was like the kind of post COVID thing. And actually that particular product was born out of covid so as soon as lockdown hit i just started researching with all my clients what the challenges you're facing getting onto zoom calls and it was confidence engagement um you know and and culture online so it's like okay that's where i then designed this and then that's been great and it's gone from an online offering to help people who are pivoting to actually something i do in the room with people now as as like a just a general cultural piece that's a little bit further up um and then at the top of the pyramid really is bespoke one-to-one coaching and leadership development with communication as the focus um and then um something that i'm launching this year is his retreats so three-day off-site retreats a lot more holistic transformation retreats to um not just help people find their voice but kind of come a level down and really press into and uncover that kind of authentic version of themselves and then look at where that is and isn't showing up in life and then start to chart some courses for for maybe doing it a bit differently and expressing it a bit more where they're not. Um, and that's kind of where I'm moving to now. So, um, so yeah, so that's the different pots of work. What am I doing on a weekly, daily basis? Um, 
those come up yeah anyone who's listened to this as freelance it cuts peaks and troughs as a freelancer you know um and i still take on some of the kind of historical kind of work that i used to do around managing change programs and digital transformation pieces from time to time sometimes consult with people with that and it's mostly around to how to get the best out of teams um i've got a client out in the middle east that i've been working with for gosh about seven years now um and i do a couple of projects a year with them with a couple of trips out there a year and that's kind of overseeing uh, an ethical leadership rollout of policies and bits and pieces so a little less on the coaching but it's still again on kind of people um and yeah and the two kind of fluctuate a little bit of that depending on where where i'm at so it's probably a 70 30 split on 70 percent on the coaching and bits and pieces and stuff and then 30 percent on on these kind of more kind of oversight pieces um and then i do a day a week with tnm coaching heading up their life coaching arm as well um just tell us a little bit about tnm in a, in a nutshell. so tnm so um there's a couple of people in the community that are part of tnm actually as trainers and they have um well we have three business areas the tnm business the academy and then life so business is the corporate offering so i do some of the leadership training for them um but they do bucket loads of leadership training and coaching have done for 20 years and there's the academy that's icf accredited coach training and then there's life and we produce um, workshops, digital programs where we source coaches uh, with specialisms in, cer in certain areas. Uh, it might be anxiety, it might be uh, motivation, it might be mindfulness, whatever it is. And then devise um, either on-demand or live products with them, sell them, bring people in um, with the kind of core purpose of helping people, you know, kind of unleash their potential, really kind of tap into that thing. Um so I oversee all the all the operations for TNM Life and the products that go out alongside um, another person. And for anyone listening, because uh, I know David Pepper is part of that as well. Yes, he? he is. Yeah. What's the um, criteria for being able to be considered as a coach for TNM? Is it is does one need to have a uh, qualification as a coach in a, in a particular? No. I really so TNM so they're fabulous like it's very um they've got all their boxes ticked so you know they're ICF accredited all their training is ICF accredited but they would never close their doors to a potential collaborator or network or associate purely based on whether or not you are ICF accredited mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um because there's all sorts of training that happens and you know as we know a lot of people in the life coaching world you know they have all sorts of training you know ICF's just one way of of being accredited you know but there's a million and one other things so um and this yeah, is a I whole just, other conversation it that you really have is have because we talk about not being the coaching police and we work incredibly closely with the likes of the association for coaching that we highly respect and we offer um you know we're, we're pleased that they have um uh given our coaches marketing journey course 32 points of continued professional development accreditation so that if you are part of the association for coaching you can earn those cpd points with us you know we've got the greatest respect but we also like to be inclusive and uh, to your point you know there's plenty of incredibly qualified coaches out there that uh, maybe aren't doing the best work and then there's lots of people who haven't been privileged enough to enter into that sort of world of qualification and are also doing amazing work so we've decided because we're not experts in qualification matters to leave that to someone else and you know we try to be creative in our approach to supporting what we call 
people helpers. So no. like I say that's a whole other conversation. Um, as is digital transformation. I'd forgotten that, you know, because I think I mentioned to you at summer camp, I used to work for government digital service. And so there's that whole digital transformation rabbit hole we could go down. My background, as well. yeah, in digital, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> um, thank you. This is really helpful, I think, for people to hear is that overview of, as I say, work, work balance. Um, but it's not so much work, work balance, really, because so much of it's just so obviously related. So it's more your product portfolio, really, and sort of, yes, how you like spend your time and the other thing that we work on with our coaches in the community is you know to try to get clear on what it is that's driving where they spend their time um and when you look at it you know it might work it might well be money uh people need to pay bills and um you know for that reason where we spend our time might be largely driven by how much we might earn from the work that we do mm. but then it might also be that you know the work is incredibly rewarding on a personal basis and that very much drives it um so I'm just wondering if if you've got a sort of consciousness as to the sort of priorities that drive what you do albeit it's in flux so do you mean on like a week by week month by month basis like where I or even you know what turns you on the most out of that power you know the the pyramid that you've yeah. painted for us you know and I appreciate that you know and just like niching is for now, you know, I know that, you, you know, this kind of thing that might be turning on now, which is the retreats is for now. And, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. But yeah. at this point in time, what are you motivated by? Is it the money? Is it the, you know, way in which it provides you with a mirror for your own self-work, as we've discussed? Is it the is it the bigger picture system change that you feel that you're informing via the work? Um, is it the satisfaction that you get when you see a person going through the work you know what's the thing that yeah you get really most excited question. about it's a really good question it's one I ask myself a lot because um it kind of changes and it remains the same and I realize that's a terrible um a terrible answer as an individual I'm driven very much by emotion um and feeling and intuition rather than cold hard logic um although i definitely have a logical side to my to my brain but i tend to get drawn to what i feel i'm drawn to rather than what i think i need to do and most of the time that works and sometimes it doesn't um so for example the retreat is a manifestation of being of basically diving into something that I just felt drawn into and then thought, right, this is where I want to move my work. And the thing that I spent a long time diving into is almost like the intersection between kind of like psychology, spirituality, and science. And that kind of amazing space, because there's so much happening in that space at the moment. And it's like, oh, do you know that that kind of space for transformation? So there was the kind of like, oh, just as almost like, not the word hobby, but just as a general interest, I was just consuming bucket loads of that kind of the research and the books and the talks all in that kind of space that's emerging and was just excited by it, you know. Um, and then the other thing, so there's the kind of draw, if you like, the, the thing that I'm pulling towards, which kind of comes from here rather than up here. And then there's the thing that I'm starting to feel again, what am I trying to let go of or what am I starting to lose energy about? 
And after doing certain types of coaching for a long, long time, there's that starting to, okay, I've done the same thing for a really long time. It's getting a bit repetitive coming in. So it's like, right, with that, that's kind of like, okay, my head's starting to turn that way a little bit. It seemed like, okay, now's the time to kind of link that up rather than just letting that go. So for me, like where I go tends to be more on like an impulse and a feeling rather than a, I, I struggle a little bit with designing long business plans and all that kind of stuff. Um, so purpose work, if you like, you know, the core work, the coaching, all that stuff, that's kind of where I go. It's usually based on an intuition. On a more practical level, there are bills to pay on a monthly basis. Um, and have there been times where, you know, I've kind of gone, oh, gosh, I don't necessarily feel that drawn to this work, but I need to do it because I've got children and there's food that needs to go on the table and I've got a mortgage and all that stuff as well. So there's that kind of more practical day-to-day -day bits and pieces running alongside the more kind of softer shifting of pieces that tend to be more long-term um, with a kind of more vision pieces rather than, I think Alan would say, if we're bringing this into kind of cold, hard business, kind of in the business and on the business. And, you know, as someone, and you'll notice someone whose business is kind of like driven by who they are a lot, the on the business is also on you. And then the in the business is that day-to-day, -day, right, da, 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 da. okay, can I pull this invoice in early? Can I do that? Da, 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 those kind of things. Um, so it's a balance between the two. And whether that completely answered your question, I don't know, but that's that's kind of where, where and how I choose where to spend my time. So there's the immediate practical stuff. And then when that's not so much of a pressure, I definitely feel myself moving more to the intuition space and where I'm, there's stuff that excites me and where I want to kind of experiment a little bit. Um, mm, yeah so my inclination with that I think is to ask you a bit to well my invitation is to is to drill down on why why mm. is that work so interesting for you and is there a bigger picture thing to which you could speak that would help market it because of course what I'm also hearing is you talking about a very palatable shift that required after covid uh, that you look at workshop development to tackle what you felt was a need at that time that in that has now manifested as a kind of in real life offering um I love that that's now a you know mm. that there's vocabulary like in real life that everybody understands as being yeah. post-covid um yeah but what I was hearing there was you know you, on the one hand, you're saying, I just feel like I'm drawn to workshops because I was devouring a lot, sorry, to retreats because I was devouring a load of stuff about it. And I don't really know why, but I just was with, yeah, as I said, invitation to think, well, might it have been that you yourself on an unconscious basis were very much reeling from, uh, you know, post COVID, uh, yeah, post COVID. Um, and so you are able to market those retreats as very much a kind of post-COVID, a, a, a reaction, a response, a processing of, you know, your own processing of, of in the last few years has led you to these retreats. And so they're not only a mirror of your own personal journey post-COVID, but they're also a gift as a space for others, you know, post-COVID, because we're all in the same time zone right you know you're providing something at the point that you yourself have come to it so I don't know I just wouldn't want yeah. you to not do yourself a, 
the justice that I think these these retreats deserve, which is yeah, a reflection of the time. Maybe. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right there. I think um just to pull on one thread you said, you know, it wasn't not knowing why. Um, I think the desire for retreats and to move into this space more and to be a person holding this space has been born out of experiencing the space myself and kind of going, okay, this feels right for where I need to move as a next level. Um, but it's a feeling rather than a, Hey, this is going to make money. So I'm going to kind of set up this mm. structure that will, you know, so um, I just wanted to kind of check that there is a knowing, but it's a knowing that kind of comes from inside rather than a, than a kind of societal yeah. or, or metric based um, knowing. Sure. But you know, what's so great is the ability to be able to go, but wait, that's great because, and then what is the thing that actually earns you the money or that is going to speak to other people or that does make sense? Yeah. Because it's very topical. Yeah. Um, and one of Simon and my favorite phrases is, it's almost like we knew what we were talking about because we have <laughs> these ideas and something does happen and then it seems to make sense a lot over there, which is something mm. that we did not even consider. Mm. For example, I gave birth to this um, corporate product thinking, well, that makes perfect sense because I come with 20 years of experience in the corporate world around, you know, corporate brand. I'm very motivated by working with people on an individual basis so that they feel significant. Um, and then the first really weird thing that happened was that two days before I pressed go live on my website, Seth Godin dropped the song of Sin Significance, which if you haven't read. I haven't, no. That, okay. And if you haven't Sounds read bad. anyone read it immediately it's really easy to read uh, it's an easy read but you know our hero Seth Godin wrote a book his latest book about um feeling significant in a sort of in an age of AI the robots are out to get us you mm. know the, the power of feeling significant at work and I was like well if he's just dropped a book about it two days ago I must be in the right place in my head so that was nice but then I also realized um, having thought, well, I need to do this because it makes sense um, logically, because that's where I go first, um, because, you know, I've got this experience and I need to make money and um, we can replicate a really um, proven thing that we've been running for two years uh, really nicely over here uh, and confidently because we've done it there. Mm. And then I was like two or three weeks later, realized I was also sitting on a gold mine of 50 uh, coaches who I've been facilitating, looking after and getting to know in my community who similarly to, you know, what you also are um, exposed to all have very different um, amazing things that might be things I can collaborate with in delivering to corporates. Yeah. Uh, what I call your kind of personal brand work. And, yeah. you know, we've got Paul in our community who delivers workshops about around developing developing your creativity. I've yeah. got Anjali who comes in and helps um, women who are returning to work after having children. And whilst they're all sing singular, singular, singularly trying to promote their own coaching businesses and with our support, they're also people with whom I could work in collaboration in delivering in a corporate yeah. space and I hadn't even thought about that so the point I'm trying to make is you sometimes do realize later why this makes perfect sense for other reasons yeah um anyway no I yeah. think it's it's a good point and just something to add like slight segue maybe or diverge in whatever phrase you want to use is that 
for a long time, I think I bought into this idea of like, oh, corporates are a certain way, so you can't work with them. Um, or, you know, this kind of like more purpose-led work, you know, it can be much harder to do that within a corporate, et cetera, et cetera. And actually I've realized that's nonsense, um, complete nonsense. And that you can do this kind of work with that kind of client, because when it comes down to it, actually it's still people within that organization. And, you know, it might be packaged up a little bit differently and it might be marketed a little bit differently. Um, but, you know, if I think about some of the big breakthroughs I've had with individuals that are miles away from the corporate space and they're kind of here by choice, um, you know, rather than being sent here by their boss, as it were, you know, and very open, very vulnerable, very like, let's do the work kind of thing. Um, and then I get given a team by let's say a international finance organization and there's 25 of them and they're from all over the globe it's completely different and do some of them not want to be there yeah but there's always some people in that group who are just like oh my gosh bang exactly the same you know and it's like and then that then starts to kind of change the dynamic in that group and it's like actually wait a minute we can get people in these really traditional cultures to start to open up a little bit more to start to talk with each other and yeah you might have to do it through some slightly different lenses and policies but actually once you kind of work your way through the red tape and you have a group of people in a room it's a group of people in a room um so i think my my learning is like actually yes go for the corporates as well i don't think i'd want to solely work with corporates definitely not but I like the challenge it gives me as well, because it is very different to working with a group of people who are, say, freelance or already on a development journey or this, that and the other, you know, to be dropped in. There's four people from China, six people from Ukraine, two people from America, one from like, you know, it's like, bang, off you go. I learn an awful lot working with those people as well. Um so I think, yeah, just to speak to that idea that, oh, you know, they're boring. You can't work with nonsense. It's how you see it, how you, how you enter into it. Um, I really appreciate that. I have written down the second mic drop moment, which was here by choice. Um, And the, one of the things we talk about, Simon and I don't talk about uh, very much, but we talk about it a lot. Um, And that's something that we suggest people do as much as possible is nail what they're <laughs> main messages though and talk about them as much as possible and one of ours is around the journey of consciousness and what I know is that I um get really excited to work with people at what we call the kind of problem unaware stage level of mm. awareness uh people who don't know what they really want or need or but you know I kind of tried to tease out through my through our marketing um and in my work with them and Simon less so Simon finds it quite uh, not painful but just would much rather be marketing to people who are what we call problem aware people who know what they want to change and then one level up is solution aware so you know those coaches who are just really bored at about talking about what coaching even is and mm. just want to have conversations about why them you know need to be working to and marketing to people uh, working with and marketing to people who are really understand the value of coaching as opposed to trying to um, convert people that have no idea what coaching is. Um, yeah. And it gets easier and easier to market the higher you are up the levels of awareness. 
but as I say my my sort of transition of turn on is problem unaware to problem aware and that explains to me and so I'm grateful to you why I'm going there with this corporate work mm. um because it's going to give me such satisfaction to also be working with people who may not be here by choice and make that transition in the work that we do to being here by choice um I also love your phrase working through the red tape um, and I, I would echo that, you know, I would not want to do it all, all the time, but it very much feels like it's a very fruitful part of the ecosystem for me. Um, and so thank you, because, you know, I'm I'm very much at the point of needing reassurance, I think, around whether or not adding another thing in is is, is a good idea, but, you know, based on everything that Simon and I teach about focusing on a particular uh customer and sort of focusing your work um but you know it's a very thin line between be more focused and absolutely do do something that completely complements the work and makes you look so much more qualified because you are if you are doing work over here to the people that you're doing work over there with and vice versa because it's cross-pollinating um, yeah. and so i really appreciate that one of the things just to kind of add one thing to that thread around corporates so one of the things that brings me real satisfaction is something i don't see as much when i'm not working with corporates and i see a lot more when i'm working in corporates is an individual going from i don't need this to going at the other end and going oh my gosh how wrong was i this is incredible and mm -hmm. someone has just gone from to heart open when they came in going, this is not for me, you know, and that I see more in corporates. Mm -hmm. And I also actually see more of a hunger in individuals within corporates to then get on board with it and help other people, you know, and help drive it because they can see the challenges more. Mm -hmm than those who are by kind of willfully coming and entering into the work as individuals, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. And I think this speaks to what we talk about in our community about pricing for outcome and not for time. Because mm. to be able to speak to a um, person, a people helper in the workplace, so someone who works in a role in HR or learning and development or is a, uh, a leader really keen to kind of support their people or a business owner who's, you know, feeling the son of the, the disillusionment and sort of despondence amongst people in their company that they really love to be able to speak to that just unbelievably dramatic transformation that you know might take place for one individual and to be able to marry up the price of that with how much more you would be spending if you were cons consistently having to churn money into recruitment and outsourcing and you know letting people go in a gentle way if they weren't right for the job and you know it's just also just from the how it feels to go home at night and know that a person in your under your care has been able to make transformations because of what you've made a decision to invest in I think is a yeah. huge hugely powerful thing for somebody in a position of authority and responsibility yeah. and I think a lot about the parent-child dynamic when I think about leadership and you know and, and and another thing that occurred to me recently was I thought I was most qualified for this work 
because of, uh, you know, I, as you know, I've got two qualifications or two university dissertations written about corporate identity. And, you know, I've worked in corporate responsibility and in brand and in marketing and PR and people stuff and people development and blah, blah, de blah. But actually, I think what makes me most qualified is that I've I've given birth to and run a community for two years. So actually, what I am most qualified in is how to make people feel seen, heard, understood and part of a family. And that's what I think is most valuable, actually, is is I can I can I can help you do that. So that's another thing that I'm really driven by and hadn't really thought about in the first place. So this is really I mean, helpful. Thanks, Matt. Um, I wanted to share. Have you read? Um, actually, I think I might have asked you this because I wanted to share with you. Um, have you read Lo Johan Hari's Lost Connections? No. Okay, another no one, one I definitely would recommend. Um, which is all about um the causes of depression and according mm -hmm. to Johan I wanted to ask you about this because I think it's so connected to both our work but according to Johan Hari the nine causes of depression um are as follows one a disconnection from meaningful work two disconnection from other people three disconnection from meaningful values four disconnection due to childhood trauma five disconnection from status and respect six disconnection from the natural world seven disconnection from a hopeful or secure future and eight and nine both are in the realms of the real roles of genes and brain changes and um really what the book is on a mission to do is is to sort of dispel this idea if anyone still has it that depression is just entirely down to inheritance and you know brain plasticity and um you know just the brain and that there's just so many other peripheral socioeconomic yeah. anthropological uh sort of intergenerational cultural reasons why we may or may not become depressed and i just feel like so much of what you and i are doing in the workplace speaks to those nine things you know disconnection from meaningful work disconnection from other people disconnection from meaningful values um you know and for me as i've mentioned to you before i find that you know stories connecting stories um can be a really useful tool to kind of bring up some of these points of disconnect so i was just wondering yeah. if you could speak to what your equivalent um tools are if you like or methods for for kind of gently visiting some of these these kind of quite raw reasons why people both become very depressed in themselves but also might become completely disillusioned from work and how we can help with that mm, that's a good question um so i think the overarching philosophy is to do it gently um you know the how i think is just as important as the what um sometimes if not more important you know when broaching these kind of things and you know yesterday someone asked me you know like to, they said to me you know what are the typical reasons that people have anxiety um around you know speaking up or you know a manifestation of some sort of block or depression around it and you know because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy almost you know like once you continually start feeling you can't speak up you start to feel really bad about that and that brings you down um and 
one of the threads that we looked at, which I think is is useful to reference here as well, is that often there is, and you know, you've, you've listed it here in one of the things, there's some sort of traumatic event that's taken place. And that could have been at childhood, where, you know, they've been silenced by a parent or an adult or something. So then the defense mechanism that shows up is that, oh, I'm not going to speak up because when I do speak up, I get shot down. And then over a period of years, that just becomes subconscious behavior. And it becomes a feeling rather than a conscious awareness of what's going on. And it doesn't feel good. Um, and it feels like you're not heard. And when you feel like you're not heard, you feel like you're not respected. You feel like your status isn't right. You don't feel like you can talk about your future. You're, all these bits and pieces that you're coming coming into. So I think that's maybe like what can cause another way of looking through the lens of the work I do or we do, like what kind of causes some of that depression. So then coming to your original question, so it's maybe kind of come at the top and go, how would we come down and start working with it? For me, like through the language that I use and how I approach it, this is in what I would call like the mindset or nerves and anxiety space, because that's how this then manifests, you know, in the body or in your words or in, in your feelings is anxiety or lack of confidence, etc. And I pull from cognitive behavioral therapy a little bit. So lots of like Socratic questioning and challenging and looking at different scenarios. Um, looking at, for me, there's a balance of, mindset and psychological work and practical doing work so evidence starts to get created to start to show how things can be different so if we use um the metaphor of a filing cabinet yeah and the with let's just say public speaking because that's the space that i work in you know the memories are the folders that are going into your filing cabinet yeah and at some point uh you get shot down for speaking Yep. And then a black folder goes into the filing cabinet, you know, and that's what you call on. So the next time it comes up, you don't speak. So another black folder goes in the filing cabinet. The next time you have an opportunity, you don't speak. Another black folder goes in that filing cabinet. And before you know it, you've filled up your recent, if not long-term history with the same behavior. And it's a behavior that you're not happy with, that's dark, that's part of your shadow side, if you like. And you start to lose sight of where did this come from? Because that original folder has gone so far back. Okay. And I think the way I work and what I found to be pretty effective is a combination of number one, gently just spending a little bit of time going, opening that filing cabinet and going right to the back and just seeing, okay, where's the root of it? You know, is, is there a route where this kind of started? Was it, did you have green folders before the black ones started coming in? Just to kind of draw that line. So it's like, ah, oh, I can actually see where this has come from now. There's a reason for it. It's not just me, if that makes sense. I don't spend too long in that space, but I think it's useful. And then through understanding more about yourself, what your natural storytelling and style is, how you you should, how you can feel authentic in your body, how you can feel authentic in your voice, um, and developing some skills. Really, you can then start to take steps to put it into action where it's in a safe space, usually on a coaching session with me, and then maybe testing it out in the world a little bit and coming back. So then all of a sudden you put a new blue folder in the filing cabinet and you've still got loads of blacks, but we've got one blue there now. It's like, okay, so let's just copy that blue one and do that again until the ratio of black to blue starts to change. And the consistent now is more blue folders. 
rather than black folders. But that will only come from action, not just thought. That's why I don't think like counseling alone is the perfect thing to solve this. It's a mixture of some of the theories around being gentle and looking what's happened, coupled with a more kind of coaching approach of taking action, but taking it in a safe, manageable way that can then be scaled up as you become more confident and you've got more blue folders in your cabinet. So that's kind of how I approach it. I am so glad that I am friends with you and my invitation live on this is to say I need you to speak to about my work more often because you are helping me to feel so much more alive even though I'm already very no. keen to get it out there about what it is I'm doing and why I'm doing it and maybe to do it together um, and you know the other thing that you and I share and you know mindful of time we're going to have to unfortunately wrap this conversation <laughs> up um for today but i think a nice note to finish on is where you started which was around improv and of course you know i love well not of course but i really love comedy but i love satire i love uh you know sort of dark um humor being a post-holocaust jewish woman i draw on wit intellect and trauma and marginalization and you know i'm delighted to uh be a jew at this time and to have a lineage of people who have you know risen out of the dust of shitness and made funny stuff out of it and you know that mixed with my um experience in the pr and marketing world means that my phrase um <laughs> which is coming up a lot for me at the moment is as i mentioned i've mentioned to you you know you'll be delighted to hear that and, you know, what you're making me think is, you know, on those private coaching uh, calls and in those moments that we have with people intimately, it's identifying, you know, what's going on for you. But, you know, is it is it comedy as well that, you know, what's going to be the permission slip for you to frame in a way that feels safe, something that might be really bad news or something that might feel grating for somebody to hear? Um, you know, what's going to what is, you know, for me, it's a press pack of information that I can gift to somebody on a, on a, you know, at the press event um, and, uh, you know, arm myself with the frequently asked questions at the back, arm myself with a biog of myself, arm myself with a press release that has the clear headlines and that if you want to know any more, you know, here's where you go. Yeah. And it's my way of um, protecting myself and the delighted to hear you'll be delighted to hear is is the shit sandwich that everybody knows might be coming and you know what is that you know what's your mm. personal brand which is the combination of comedy and you know whatever else it is plus your voice um that allows you to kind of go into situations and people know what's coming <laughs> but in a you know we all have the compassion for where for who we are because we've worked it out and we've done the work um, and then how does that serve others because they don't have those skills themselves and how can you all dovetail together and be grateful that we're not all the same? So, mm -hmm. yeah, you're giving me so much to think about. Um, what what do you feel like you're leaving off from this comment? I hope something has been of use to you. It's certainly been, has been loads for me and I'm sure for everyone listening. But, yeah, for you, is anything <laughs> loads. landed? Um, I kind of wish we were doing a three-hour podcast. <laughs> Um, so if anyone else I does. Talk, I know because I think we could talk about loads and loads um 
It's a key thing I'm going to take from today. An awful lot. Do you know what? I love how you... So the lost connections piece that you brought up and the nine reasons, like I've never kind of seen it through that lens before. And for me personally, that kind of, I was able to go, oh gosh, I can really see in a different lens how all that contributes to what I have when folks come to me, you know, and some of the challenges I've been on myself. So like I'm, I'm stealing that. Oh, definitely read the book. <laughs> totally. It's a great book. And props it. to Beth Derry because she was the one that, introduced it to me so you know absolutely one to i recommend to people and thanks beth yeah lost connections yeah Yeah, i think i I love that and just having an opportunity because sometimes i'm so busy in my work kind of working with people that i sometimes don't have the opportunity to step back and really reflect at this level on what brings people to me to you to us um and what it is we're actually working with um so to have a space to kind of drop down a level like we have today feels really good because it kind of wakes me up again a little bit to what it is i'm doing and the sensitivities of it as well um to remember that as well so i've found that very good and i'm very grateful for that today thank you so much matt all right well i'm sure this isn't the last time you'll be hearing from on you know the matt and francis show um on your show yeah and uh i think i might call this podcast rather than it being a messy people pleasing thing uh i really hope that people have got out of this the way in which both of us are trying our very best to frame as kind guides (laughs) a lot of our own work um so thank you so much absolute pleasure thank you for having me um i'll put in the show notes as it were how you can find matt and Matt will once again be speaking at summer camp this year. And word on the street is that there might be a few tickets left, but literally a handful. So um, that's the Happy Startup School summer camp event happening in September. Um, so you can find him there. And I will direct you to Matt's LinkedIn profile and website. Thank you, Matt. Thank you.